Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa curry and I am here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Elisa Unfiltered Podcast. My name is Elisa and today it is Wednesday, April 27th, 2022. So today you've probably tuned in to this particular episode either because you're a fan of the show and if that's you, thank you, thank you, or you were struck by the title. Let's get right into the meat of the show right away here because I'm about to give you a perspective shift on what how and why you might be holding on to feelings for too long, negative energy from old experiences or thoughts and beliefs that are literally keeping you from moving forward and getting you to a place where you feel secure and happy, confident in your world, in the world that you are living in, your world. This perspective shift alone is so powerful that you will most likely get a window or a few moments of clarity where you might have never gone before. You might have never seen the world this way before so that you can begin to break down and break free or dare I say, (laughs) quote unquote, let go right now. So some of these tools you can put into practice literally right now in your life. Now, the biggest mistakes I see people make, and there's three, when they begin to shift their perspective or start being pulled towards like-minded thought leaders are, are the following three. So number one, they think that the window of clarity or the aha moment is the end of the lesson and that they're forever changed. You know, like when you have that aha moment and you're like, Bless, I am changed. (laughs) And because of that, they give themselves a false sense of knowledge, power, which will eventually lead them back to the point of failure or back into the hard, stuck feeling. Or why can't I do this? Or why is this so hard? Or I had it. Why can't I keep it? So thinking the aha aha moments you've had have changed you forever will eventually lead you into a path of victim mindset. Now, there are varying degrees of victim mindset. There are super strong attachments to it. There are less strong, more, you know, fleeting thoughts. But inevitably, this is one of the mistakes people make is that they think they're changed and that's gonna lead them back down into the hole again, all right? So number two, they get really, 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 really excited about what they've learned or seen or heard, like that aha moment, they get excited about it and they want to fast forward to the end without moving through the layers or the steps of letting go or whatever the the moment of clarity was or is. So sometimes hearing exactly what you need to hear feels so rewarding and I don't know, like life-changing, that you think one slice of a pie that has 25 slices, which you don't exactly know, but one slice of the pie is all you need 
to consume to sustain a new belief or way of thinking. Now, <clears throat> this happens because of the tyrant of our mind, the ego. The ego will convince you that the one slice is all you need. I mean, this happens to me. It happens to everyone. This is this will also lead you down a similar path to option number one or mistake number one, where However, in this particular path, you will most likely make assumptions based on your subjective experiences and you'll start thinking you know everything because you have the one piece, you'll start to fill in the gaps with your own ideas and your own experiences, all right? Instead of sitting with the whole picture as it is, you will fill in the gaps. So this will also lead down the road of the victim mindset because you will start to realize that that picture isn't exactly leading you to where you want. It's going to circle you back into the same loop. You only have one piece, okay? So the victim mindset, I don't know, thinking you're not good enough or fit enough or thin enough or whatever, the best partner, the best wife is inevitable. The third mistake people make during a perspective shift is that they have so much dissonance in their mind. So they have deep-seated belief that cause the mind to dismiss or deny or decide without thinking critically that they can't hear this type of viewpoint at all. Like they shut it out. It's like a shut out moment. And oftentimes this, this can happen if you're... Um, if you've ever had a conversation with someone and they start to to tell you their opinion or belief and you think that they're crazy, you think that they are stupid or like an insane person and they have no grip on reality, these types of of voices or, or statements, will you'll start thinking them and you'll just deny and dismiss. This is actually a survival skill that we have within the mind, within the ego. It's it's one I've... I've personally been witnessing uh, the powers of this dissonance in our world today times 10 million thousand degrees over the last two years. Dissonance has become one of the most, um, um, what, what, what should I say? It's the most prominent reason for cancel culture. So if you have canceled a person, if you have canceled an idea, um, whatever, if you're, if you're participating in cancel culture, whether you're aware of it or not, the, the cause of that is dissonance. Most likely the cause of that is, is when you have two viewpoints, when there's two viewpoints or beliefs within that are contradictory to one another. I like to use the example of, of, um, a person, let's just say is on a diet and it's their birthday. So you always eat chocolate cake on your birthday, but you're committed to eating zero sugar. You've been doing this for a long time, and now you have this internal battle. Well, which belief is going to win? Now, that is a dissonance that kind of makes sense to a lot of people because most of us have experienced it. We've witnessed it. We've we've thought it out. We've reaped the consequence of doing both. Like, we've... We can kind of paint an outcome and we're most likely okay with either outcome. We will, we're able to, um, I don't know, 
survive either outcome. But in some really deep beliefs, we, we don't feel like we can survive. It really is creating a massive barrier and a, and a lot of turmoil and suffering inside. Okay, so regardless of the outcome, when the dissonance is strong, there will be suffering and that victim mindset just swoops in and saves the day. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say is that when we have a perspective shift, the biggest mistake people make is that they use that momentum to eventually land them right back where they've started. All right. So how do we avoid doing this? When we see something from a new point of view that resonates, how do we use that momentum to let go of old beliefs and move forward and maintain some resemblance of that perspective shift? All right, great question. Well, there are several several ways to do this, and the one that we're gonna talk about today is the practice of intuitive awareness. And if you're a fan of the show, I know you're a wellness warrior that is pulled towards this concept and you like the idea of this concept, and perhaps you're practicing this concept right now, listening to this episode, and, or perhaps you're, you're just not sure if you're doing it right, or what it is, or how you can separate your ego from your instinct, and you're trying to process things that are happening, which is really good. This is super good. This is why you're here. Being interested in paying attention to the things that we say in our mind, and where they come from, is, is, the key to unlocking a lot of the suffering that we experience and letting it go. So let's dive into what happens inside the mind or the storyteller of the mind when we can't let it go. All right, ready? So inside my life coaching program, I talk about the pendulum swing of life and I break down the various steps with a framework that helps to illustrate the highs and the lows that we experience, all right, that pendulum swinging back and forth. And I wanna include a small part of that in this episode, okay? So yes, these highs and lows are normal. This is called life. There is no way to avoid adversity, that downswing, if you will, and, and why should we? Adversity is actually the good stuff in life. There is so much benefit and growth in adversity. It's the teacher. It's the starting point of all growth. And if we didn't have it, you know, life would be pretty freaking boring. We think it wouldn't. We think we would be on cloud nine, but we would, it wouldn't be the same. Our life, the purpose of life is in many ways to grow and learn and become a better version of who we are. However, as we wake up to our indoctrinated beliefs, So in other words, the way we've been programmed to believe and behave and think, you will begin to understand and ultimately like observe that when you're on an upswing, meaning life feels like it's taken a turn for the better, this does not mean you have grown, all right? Good things in life doesn't represent growth in life. Good things in life does not represent growth in life in all cases, okay? It can. However, that is that idea, that belief, things are going well, I am growing, is what's keeping us stuck in our loop. However, 
I fully, 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 fully understand why you might think this is true, especially coming from a low place. Like when shit's hard and then it, it starts to get easier, it's natural to assume that you're healing from the pain or the low point or you're climbing out of the hole, right? Humans like to attach meaning to literally everything and reward themselves for good times, which isn't a bad thing. I like, I need to add that. It's not a bad thing. It's the way we survive in this judgment-filled culture. So we assume that because things are good in our lives, that we are good, okay? That we must be doing something good, that we like must have let go or healed. All right, and you know that feeling when you've temporarily detached from caring? Like something's really hard and then all of a sudden you're on the upswing and you just don't give a shit. And you say things like, I'm never gonna do that again. Or I will never go back to eating that way again ever. Or I can't believe I used to act like that. (laughs) Well, that's the upswing talking. That is not growth. That's the upswing. Think of it like this. Does every person on the planet who experiences adversity or a difficult experience in life learn the lesson and experience personal growth every single time? The answer is no. All right. However, it's in our nature to believe that we are the exception to the rule and our upswing represents growth until we go back to the way things were again and loop. So we're swooping back down. We're looping and we're like, frig, right? Here I am again. Why does this always happen to me? Life is so hard. I can't do it. I'm never going to be this way. I'm never going to be skinny. I'm never going to be in a loving relationship. And as the pendulum swings back and forth, it can, it can do so for, for weeks, for months, years might pass you by and you can loop over and over experiencing highs and lows, convincing yourself that you're growing, but really you're just in a very comfortable loop. Right, repeating the same things over and over again. In fact, this this is like the this is holding on to this is this is a, a firm attachment. It's the opposite of letting go. You're attached to the cycles of behavior that you are in. What happens in the upswing is is your mind creates this temporary window where we temporarily detach from caring. We like convince that we don't. We convince ourselves that we don't care. That's it. To detach fully, in other words, to let go. I know some people get so triggered with that letting go. Like people are like, just let it go. You're like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> what, what that requires to actually let go is to break the loop, is to break the pattern or the cycle that you are looping in. It is to step into the unknown to not ride the upswing but to ride the downswing and observe that dissonance observe and sit with the beliefs that have been, you've been indoctrinated with have been programmed with so so many people in the world are controlled by others there are so many people in this world being controlled right now by others. Most people, to be honest. And the problem is that most people don't know this is happening. 
no idea. Most people have absolutely no fucking clue that their entire internal belief system, which includes thoughts, thought loops, behaviors, emotional responses, is the result of cultural condition, conditioning. Zero clue. And this, this is happening with everyone. This, everyone's on the same par. It doesn't matter where you, where you grew up. Like, I mean, I've used these examples in the past. Like a, a, a white girl born in the, in the 1980s myself in Canada will be indoctrinated with different beliefs than like, let's just say an Asian girl in Shanghai in 1960. All right. Culture determines indoctrination. Like where you are, your 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 nationality, um, as well as your uh, lineage, like your um, heritage—not your heritage, yeah, your heritage—but um, your family line. <laughs> okay, your family line. Who your parents were, what happened to them, and how they sort of that their their beliefs will trickle down to you. Okay, so intuitive awareness is the key to waking up to this indoctrination or the program of the mind. And there are a few levels. So have a listen and see maybe what level you might resonate with. Okay, so the levels of awareness is what I'm about to uh, explain here. Level one is that zero clue level where even the idea that your thoughts are not yours is like absolutely ludicrous. So this person is super closed off. Level one, people that have that are at the zero clue level, <laughs> they, they're very closed off. They're disconnected from their intuition. They live in ego, they live in story, they live in survival mode. There's a lot of fear in their lives. They worry perhaps, and they have a really hard time thinking outside of the box or stepping outside of the box. That they, they think the box is the only way that there is, that this is the way, and um, endure life as it is, all right? That's level one. Level two. This is the level that I actually love the most, and it's the level where a lot of my students are when they join the program. Um, this is when you've you've started to hear the whispers, okay? So the way you've always done things isn't exactly making sense anymore. Things that you're hearing and seeing and doing don't really make sense for you anymore. And you might start sitting with your feelings a little bit. And when you think things like, fuck, I hate my job, or being a wife and having all these wife duties really sucks, like things like that. Instead of dismissing those thoughts, okay, because those thoughts are going to come up. So instead of dismissing them and being like, suck it up, you got to do that, and like justifying them and thinking that that's the way that you have to do it, like that's what a level one person would do, like those would come up, like I hate my job as a level one, but you're like, you have to make money and you have to do this and you have to do that and whatever the justification is. Level two, you're going to start to initiate a little bit more critical thinking and being like, yeah, I do hate my job. What does this mean? What do I hate about it? You start to ask some questions, just superficial, but you're starting to sort of like, have this sense, okay? Now, level three. Level three is where things start to get interesting and many people feel like they've made it, like they are aware <laughs> because now in level three, they've, they've heard the whispers, they've started to question the whispers, they've started to sort of like come out of the fog, if you will, 
and they know that they don't agree with all of the ways they've been taught to think and behave anymore. They know this. They're starting to really resonate with that. And, and you might start to go against the mainstream narrative. All right. Level three is where a ton of growth happens. This is like the, the level you spend the most amount of time in as you become an awakened aware warrior of intuitive awareness. You spend a lot of time here. You're, you're growing because you're going to start to detach from mainstream narrative. Now, what does mainstream narrative mean? I just mean the narrative that you're constantly exposed to from like your parents, from your teachers, from the media, from the governments, from the, the your circle of friends, from your community, like, you know, local stuff. Like you, you might start to detach. It doesn't mean you will because some of the things you might agree to and, and they're not causing any suffering. So, but you'll, you'll start to become aware and detach. You'll start to see for yourself the program from the outside looking in. It's a really cool spot when you're like, oh. So maybe not in all aspects of life, but you'll certainly in areas that are directly affecting you. So <clears throat> you keep questioning things. When you feel triggered, you have some skill some mindset skills, some mental skills. And I mean, we break all of this down within the Elisa Unfiltered Inner Circle, all of the skills and what to do and where to do them. And and you're able to pay attention and start to uh, self-soothe a little bit. So you're seeking help and you're not, you're, you're no longer afraid in level three, and this is a really cool thing, to invest in your growth, be that to work with a coach or to get counsel or do somatic therapies or different self-cares that really nurture you and your soul do soulful work and you're starting to maybe pull back or pull away from some of the people in your life that are that are maybe holding you you back from doing this or or steering you away from getting help or surrounding yourself with like-minded people, okay? So essentially what happens in level three is that you start to lift your vibration up. And anyone or anything that has a lower vibration or lower frequency doesn't feel as good to be around anymore and you know it, okay? It's a really cool level. Level four, let's go. Level four is the level <clears throat> of awareness where we start to live, live in a, with awareness. We start to cut ties and consciously detach from things that we know the consequences of going back into will be. So if you're, if, if, you know that someone is going to be lying to you or unfaithful to you. You know that going back to them will have a certain set of consequences. So you will start to show up for yourself in a different way because you can see this and you know that it's not about them. It's not about what they think of you or what they feel. It's about you and you start to really honor your own feelings and your own wounds and self-soothe them. So you'll consciously detach all right, you'll, you'll start to recognize those relationships and experiences and loops that aren't serving you anymore often. Like they're going to come up all the time. It's always, it's always there showing up saying like, here, I am here now. What are you going to do with me? So this means that we know what will happen when we choose to lower our vibe again, 
We're lifting our vibe and we know what's going to happen when we choose to go back. It now becomes a conscious choice. This is the loop. We can either loop or we can break the loop and think outside the box. So we become quite aware. However, this is a tough level. It's the toughest really because we don't know what to do necessarily. We don't know how to keep evolving. We don't know what to do when we get outside the box because we've never been there before. This is uncharted waters, man. It's scary AF. However, we know the consequence of going back. So that's why level four is so cool because oftentimes people will go back. We will choose to go down okay and 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 try it one more time <laughs> to see if the consequence will change but it never does right so eventually the consequences of going back is too great so we're able to step forward we can fully understand what's going to happen and we become brave and we choose to move up in level four, when we fall down, we're able to get out of that hole a lot faster and easier and more confidently as well. This is this is the loop happening, but it's short, okay? We break out of our automation and experience adversity in the present moment and make choices consciously. This is level four. And level five is the last level, and it is to live within full awareness with full detachment from the program. You see the program running, you know the program inside of you. When you hear the storyteller, you know it's the program, you know what your true authentic voice looks like, you know what your intuitive voice looks like, you know what your automated feelings feel like. This is you know, the level where we make choices and take full responsibility for our life. Okay, this is letting go of the victim judger. It's and, and this is a, is a beautiful, beautiful place that anyone can be in, <laughs> all right? Every single person is able to get to level five if they have the willingness. So it's, it's, it's your level five is experiencing compassion with yourself as you move through humility and mourning and the hypocrisy of growth. It's actually super magical. And yeah, you go through all these feelings, but you know that it's necessary. There's like a means to an end. You're like letting go of the program and detaching. It's like this really cool thing. You become conscious. You become the awake and aware warrior. You fully understand that you live and die in your mind. Ooh, ooh, it's so powerful. You live and die in your mind. I want to give you actually a couple of examples about um, how our indoctrinated beliefs control our lives because ultimately to let go and feel safe at the same time, we don't want to let go because we feel safe knowing the outcome of our loop. We've done it so many times. One, in order to let that go, we have to wake up to the ways in which we've been programmed. So in, in, in other words, how we need to wake up to how other people's opinions, teachings, influence, control who we are. And I've said this before, it's amazing how only a handful of people in our whole lives decide who we are 
and who we are going to be and what makes us good and what makes us bad. There's a handful of people in the world. So this is a good story. It's like crazy. It's an interesting story. After I got divorced, and this of course was the beginning of my awareness journey, I was probably flipping back and forth between levels one, two, and three. Cause I like, I've, told, I've said this before, I like felt totally awake and I know everything. And then I went right back to sleep and went all the way down to level one and was like, nope, <laughs> door closed. Anyways, during this time, um, I had, I had, you could call it an earth shattering conversation with someone in my life that I love in this world, a beautiful human. And we were talking about being in romantic relationships and how we just wished that a knight in shining armor, for lack of a better word, would come and save us. Now we're talking, this was like 2008, 2009. Okay. So many, many years ago, this was the beginning of my journey. And we both wanted so badly to be saved. Like we would feel fulfilled if we were chosen by someone who would take care of us. Ever have that feeling? Has that ever come up for you with romantic partners? I would assume that many women listening would have had that experience at one point or another, especially if you were born in like the 60s, 70s, 80s, maybe even early 90s. Some men for sure too, totally. Um... So the part of the story that I want to focus on is that I asked this person, how many good days a month do you need in your relationship to feel like you are in a good relationship? All right. How many good days a month do you need? And her answer rocked me. And it rocks me to this day even. She said, one. I need one good day with my husband one good day a month to feel loved and supported. One, one good day. And it rocked me because I know there are millions of women out there who have been indoctrinated to think that they are not enough or worthy of love all of the time, 100% of the days, or that the rules in their relationship can't change, or that they can't speak their mind, or that they can't choose differently, or that till death do us part, you know, they don't realize that that's a program, that's a conditioned, that's conditioning, conditioned beliefs that they have agreed to, or that they can't stand in their power and create boundaries, or that they can't love themselves first, they must love others, okay? One good day a month, that's 12 days a year. That's feeling good in your relationship for 3.2% of the year, 3.2% of the year. Imagine the inner story of that person. Imagine what's going on inside of their head to lead them to believe that one day a month is a fulfilling relationship. And I mean, I hold so much compassion for this because I think I used to feel the same damn way. And that's my conditioning. That's why I chose a husband myself who was an abuser. All my days were abusive. At one point in my marriage, I mean, this was the almost like at the breaking point. I, even if I got a half a day a month of attention or love or, or, or if he just said something like, I need you. 
okay? The power of the words I need you from a man to me was like totally validating. Oh, this means I'm in the right place and I've made the right choices and I'm fulfilling my role as a wife. He needs me, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, he needs me and he's gonna treat me like shit for 31 and a half days a month, okay? I need you was enough to keep me attached. I didn't know any different. I didn't know my power. I didn't know I was in level one. I didn't know I was unaware. I didn't know. This was, this was the way that it was. I, this, <laughs> do you see where I'm going? You see, once you start to move into level two, and this is like what happened, you start getting these whispers, right? This is when you can really see the program in others. It's, it's actually very difficult to see it in yourself, but you can see it in others. And I could see it in this person, even at that time, because I was starting to come out. I had left my husband. I had started to like step into my power, practice awareness. I fell, I was kind of looping through one, two, and three, like just sort of, uh, I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. But at the same time, I could see that this person was 100 million percent worthy of more than one day a month. I could see her power. I could see her strength and ability and I could see the support system around her if she chose to do whatever and how she would thrive if she if she chose a path to break her loop and that doesn't mean get divorced that could mean many things breaking the loop I could see that but it doesn't matter what I see it matters what she saw and how she was able to observe her condition and conditioning and work towards breaking the loop herself she's the one on the journey it's not me does this make sense so so it's really interesting when you start to observe like, and you, you, you almost think that they're crazy. Oh, well, just that's when we start to say things like, oh, just let it go. We can say let it go because we have we don't have an attachment to their what they are, they're attached to. We're not living in compassion for another person. If you said to a friend, oh, just let that go. If they're having a hard day, oh, just let that go. It's because you're not attached to the story. They are. So in doing so is really not showing compassion whatsoever for that person. I mean, just just holding that out there, throwing that out there, because our within our indoctrination and within the beliefs that we are that are being shoved down our throats all of the time, we are the ones that are attaching meaning to it at various levels. Okay, so the last story I want to share is more of a present day indoctrination because, you know, the some of the ways in which, you know, I believed that a knight in shining armor was going to save me was the Disney story and how I just lapped those Disney movies up and I just loved them and wanted to be the princess so freaking bad and the Barbie and all of the things that I played with. I believe that that's what I was supposed to be as a human. And there's no fault to anybody. Like this is just the way I grew up. It was the way it was. So I just believed that. But now I can see what happens and how my beliefs were formed and where I am today. I can look back and say, oh, okay, well that doesn't work for me anymore. So I'm gonna shift that, okay? so. So we are literally being indoctrinated as we speak. We are, 
We are being programmed right now. We always are. It never ends. If you live with other people, with culture, with influence, with people in power, with repetitive uh, narratives, or within a family dynamic where you ha- you must follow the line, the lineage, do what was always done, then you are being indoctrinated. This is the way it works. So yes, I'm going to talk about the pandemic and COVID shit for a second, okay? So hold your pants on because you might shit them. So I'm going to speak from the perspective of a Canadian here. I'm Canadian and our country has taken a very specific approach to COVID and has taken a very specific approach to indoctrinating its citizens to believe that taking the vaccine saves lives, all right? I'm not gonna debate the efficacy of the vaccine or what's good and what's bad. I'm just going to outline what's happening in the conditioning, okay? so. I'm very confident that if you're Canadian, and I mean, other countries are doing this too. So you may, if you're not from Canada, you may have heard these phrases or statements that go something like this. Um, Vaccines save lives. I just said that. Um, Do your part in saving lives. The unvaccinated are a threat to others. Okay. Getting vaccinated saves others. Right. Have you heard those things? Things like that. Would you agree? Have you heard these things repeated over and over? Do you believe them? Do you believe these things? Or did you believe these statements at some point? I know many people did. I did. All right. I fully did. I don't anymore. And here's the thing. If you took the vaccine to save your mom's life or to save your children's life, I can understand why you would think this is the case. This is the narrative that we've been hearing from the exact second the vaccines were made available. Vaccines save lives. Do your part. Be a good girl. One of the three ways I mentioned before uh, that beliefs are formed is by repetition. So if we hear the same thing over and over again, we're going to start to believe it. Even if someone told you I've used this example in the past, the sky was purple. If the media started calling it purple, they started calling it purple in movies. Everyone started calling it purple. You would start to call it purple too. You would think they were crazy at first, but then you would just start to call it purple. Even to the point where if someone said the sky is blue, you might even think, no, it's actually purple. Right? It's a very interesting thing that happens when we hear things enough times. Another way is when we hear things from people of authority that we trust. We believe them. That's why we believe everything our parents tell us. <laughs> right? It's not your fault. It's the way we survive. It's how our brain works. Okay? It's how the connections between neurons fire and, and how our ego stay keeps us safe how we how we can feel safe in this world okay so we trust and we form belief systems so but i want you to think just for a second here we're going to do a little exercise i want you to think back to before covid for a second so if you were going to get a malaria shot because you were going to the philippines did you get that shot to save the lives of the filipino people or did you get it to protect yourself Right. When you and your doctor consulted about the HPV vaccine, the Garnasil, I think it's what it's called. Did you end up taking it because you wanted a much lower risk of cervical cancer yourself? Or did you take it 
did you take like those shots? I think there's like two or three of them to protect the women in your community. Right? Think about that. The primary reason to get a vaccine is to protect yourself. Yes, the secondary reason is to protect others, but the primary reason is to protect yourself. All right, there is absolutely herd immunity, community, the cultural, the community effects of, of herd immunity. Yes, lots of benefits, but not until COVID was a vaccine marketed to think of others first. It really pulled at the heartstrings. It was a brilliant narrative. There was a lot of promises about what that vaccine was going to do. Also, two weeks to flatten the curve. If everyone gets their shots, we'll get back to normal. All right. That's why Canada is one of the highest vaccinated countries in the world. The mar they marketed the product in this way, which is not actually stopping the spread at all, is it? And something like 87% of Canadians are fully vaxxed. And a lot of the people who weren't at risk from getting the virus or dying from it took the shot anyways to protect their loved ones. I remember hearing like... If you want to visit your mom or your grandmother, you better be vaccinated. I'm like, oh my God. So what most people aren't, what most people are unaware of is that this is an age old marketing technique. Okay. In fact, I'm taking a marketing course right now and I have this incredible book. It's called Breakthrough Advertising. It's by Eugene Schwartz. Anyone in the marketing business probably have heard of this. Believe it or not, this book costs $1,000 on Amazon. I'm not joking. But the craziest part is that it was written in 1966. Yeah, I know. 56 years ago. So I was reading this book. And of course, I'm, I'm like really interested because I'm seeing a lot of similarities in marketing of like, you know, those, I don't want to call them big powerhouse companies or corporations, but there's a big difference between like small business marketing and like marketing that has a bigger budget, right? So they have learned and have money and resources to utilize some of a lot of the techniques that are written in this book. It's, 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 it's quite fascinating really. And a very particular marketing example struck me deeply. I'm reading this book. We're in the pandemic. And the story is about toothpaste, <laughs> toothpaste. So toothpaste is a consumer product that basically everyone uses, right? I'm okay, sure, sure, there are humans on this earth that don't use toothpaste, but a very, very large amount of the population in North America does, right? Agreed? Agreed. So now it's one of those products that is necessary, but it's not like toothpaste has evolved. Now I realize in the last 10 years, there have been a lot of like scientific breakthroughs for toothpaste, but let's go, let's, that's very, very recent. So let's go back like 50 years ago, 60 years ago. Think about toothpaste on the shelf there. How does a company stand out in the toothpaste market? Well, you can, you know, look at and sell the benefits of what the toothpaste does. Now, Colgate was one of the first ever companies to incorporate fluoride into their products. And the second that they launched their fluoride toothpaste, they, they flew off the shelves. Like they were marketing 
protect your teeth with fluoride. This is the first, it's revolutionary. Like they're using all of these new words and literally you couldn't get Colgate with fluoride toothpaste at all. They were gone off the shelves and other toothpaste companies were like, shit, we need to put fluoride in our toothpaste too. So they did. And, and after about five years of all the toothpaste containing fluoride, Colgate sort of blended in again. So how do you revolutionize a product that hasn't changed? Right? Well, <laughs> they were no longer the leaders. So how can they reinvent the product without changing it? And if you haven't guessed it already, they came up with the most impactful and brilliant marketing slogan of all time. Don't just protect your teeth, protect the teeth of your children. Boom, Colgate stock went up. Their product, which was five minutes ago, just something that was available, is now in hot demand. This was in the 60s. And over the years, we have seen this marketing tool used over and over. When a company or person wants to influence you or control you, they make it personal. They lead you to believe that you're doing the right thing and protecting the people you love. We are creatures of survival. This is the exact same strategy they use today. And this method worked super well in Canada because our culture is also conditioned to be the nice guys, to be the good guys, to do the right thing. Now, I realize there will be some resistance to what I'm saying. And as I'm speaking, some of you might have like light bulb moments going off, right? And others might have that dissonance. Okay, meaning you are starting to justify and make excuses for, and that's fine. That's fine. You can DM me on Instagram if you want to talk about it a little bit more, if you want to get something off your chest. If this sounds like you, if this sounds like you, if, if you, if you have, okay, I wanted to explain all of this to shift your perspective and show you a window of clarity around how one's beliefs are formed. That's the key, the key thing here, how you start to believe the things that you believe. And if this is interesting to you, if you're curious about this, if it sounds like something that you, I don't want to say fallen for because you haven't fallen for anything. This is the way that we're indoctrinated. This is cultural conditioning. But if this sounds like something that you want to maybe level up on and start to practice awareness to start to really recognize where your beliefs are, then I recommend that you begin with, and this is a trigger word for a lot of people right now, critical thinking. Okay. I say it's a trigger word because those of us who are unable to think critically feel threatened. We have so much dissonance that we completely deny we cancel. It goes back to that cancel culture. Okay. However, if this is something that you're curious about, I would suggest ask yourself questions. Like these would be modern day questions around um, the vaccine belief um, would be like, do you shame or hold negative feelings towards unvaccinated people? Are you afraid of unvaccinated people? Do you only advocate for people that the media tells you to advocate for? Why is freedom of choice offensive to you? Was it offensive to you two years ago? Were you afraid of unvaccinated people two years ago? Did you shame people for not being vaccinated two years ago? 
Ask yourself those things. And then in other areas of your life, like we had spoken about relationships prior to this, I mean, we can take this all, all over the place to diet culture, to the reason you think you're not worthy. Start to ask yourself, why do I think this way? Who taught me that I must prove my love to my, my dedication and my commitment to, to receive love? In things like that. You start to ask yourself, figure out the problem, feel the problem, and ask yourself, who taught you? It's not why. You never want to ask yourself why. And this is a really critical thing. My, my spiritual coach, Adele Stratton, in a session actually this month, she reminded me, don't ask why. Ask all of the other questions. What, where, who, how, not why. You're not going to get the answer why. But those other, those other questions, you'll start to unpeel the layers of the onion. So think about it. We're indoctrinated from the moment we're born into a cultural belief system. And for many of us, we are suffering from it. Okay? We're afraid of change. We're afraid of our neighbors now. We're afraid to break free from the loop, from the narratives that we think are the way. But are they? So let me ask you, do you want to continue to focus on all of your time and effort into your indoctrinated narratives that may or may not be true, that you have not taken the time to, to sit with and ask yourself and ask questions and have hard conversations and sit in the rot? Or are you ready to start to see the world for what it is and participate in it from a place of consciousness presence, safety, and confidence. You get to decide. The choice is yours, my friends. The choice is yours. All right, that's all for me today. Okay, I'm over here giving you a big virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Elisa Unfiltered podcast. If you haven't done so yet, I'd love for you to share the love and head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify and give this show a five-star rating. I'll give you bonus points for leaving a written review. And if you're looking for more, head over to elisaunfiltered.com for show notes and all the links to all things Elisa Unfiltered. Have the best day, everyone. Until next time.